0: G'day everyone, this is Rita Joyan and welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast, how to turn a passion into a profession. If you're currently in corporate and you have fantasized about leaving it, my guest today identifies herself as an escapee from corporate living from the corporate world to writing. So here's how it goes. After 20 years in the financial services industry, Karen found her passion for historical fiction. Like the difference there, financial services, historical fiction. It's a big leap. Karen began writing short stories and in 2009 published her first collection, All That and Everything. Many of her short stories won awards. She's written two novels, Tom and Inviolet. Karen's latest book, Stormbird, was shortlisted for a national award. She writes for several financial magazines. She speaks and facilitates writing workshops. And she identifies herself as living proof that she's turned a passion into a profession. Karen Turner, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Rita. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here.
0: Well, thank you. Now, I want to dive straight into it. You say financial services. What specifically, what aspect of financial service were you working in?
1: Um, Mainly investment and financial planning. And I'm not a financial planner by any means, but... Um, I, look, I started in financial services in October 1987. And if anybody remembers that time, I actually started my first financial services job in on the 19th of October, so the exact day of the big crash. And I was struck by how exciting and dynamic and the changes that were happening every day. So I thought, like this is the world for me. And I started uh, really involving myself in Learning and understanding and um, delving into it and making a career of financial services. Uh, Along the way, I became quite passionate about advice and financial advice, not to give it. I've never been interested in being an advisor, (laughs) but somebody had to train the advisors. And I wanted to understand the industry to the point where I could impart knowledge to those people who were working in it. So I started. Well, I gained a qualification as a trainer and I started writing training material. I worked for a number of financial companies where I um, actually went on the road and went out doing all sorts of road shows around Australia, uh, lecturing and talking to sometimes several hundred financial planners at a time, Um, very boys dominated industry. And which caused me to do things like um, nail technology and spray tanning in my spare time because I just needed a break from the, the powerful male dominated area. And there are a lot more women in financial services these days, which is just brilliant. Mm. Um, but along the way, because I was writing, and um, I just thought there's got to be a better way to do this. You know, I love to write, I've always loved writing. As a little girl, I used to write my own little golden books. and illustrate them very badly and create a whole library of stories about my family, my friends, my dog and my cat. And um, financial services gave me an opportunity to write, but it was very intense writing, a lot of figures, which I'm not good at, a lot of statistics, a lot of calculations, a lot of case studies. John and Mary wanted to retire. All that kind (laughs) of stuff and it just wasn't doing it for me. And... uh, Just to backtrack a little bit, I used to love to read. Well, I still love to read, and I love to read historical fiction. And my mum got me involved in a series of books called Angelique, and they were historical fiction books set in Paris, back around um, Louis the the Louis the Fourteenth time, I think it was. And she had a series of books, like about ten books, and all of them was an adventure. You know, she was a rebellion. She she led a rebellion. She uh, travelled to Arabia and became a, the lover of uh, a, a sheik. She was the favourite of the king. She, she had these wonderful adventures and I fell in love with historical fiction, mm. especially with the romance theme. Mm. So in the meantime, I'm doing all this financial writing and uh, becoming more and more dissatisfied with, you know, the same old words, churning out the same old stories, same case studies, the same calculations, And one day I was quite bored and I have to say it wasn't in my lunch break, but I was Googling and I came across a competition for a Women's Writing Society and they were offering, um, they had a competition where you could enter a short story and be judged and I thought, oh look, why not? So uh, I sat there and I churned out a short story about my train trip in on a morning to work and, you know, how much, uh, how you look at people's shoes and what they're wearing and make a judgment about who they were and where they worked. And um, I entered it and won first prize and thought, well, either there was something in that or there was only one person that entered. So I thought i better try again and started writing short stories started sending them out, started winning prizes, and it was such a buzz. Uh, I thought, well, maybe there is something in this. And then along the way, I said to my dad, my dad was a sketch artist, and I said to my dad, why don't we put a book together and you can do sketches for my stories and we'll make a little book for family and friends. And he was dead chuffed and he said, yes, let's do that. Mm. Um, But unfortunately, he passed away. But uh, that sort of got shelved as an idea for a while. And then um, my brother and I thought, why don't we do it? Dad would have loved it. Dad would still love it. He'd be looking down and go, yeah, you did it. So we found some sketches in his old books and put them together, sent them off to a publisher. They were accepted and, voila, I have a a little book just for my dad, dedicated to my dad, with short stories. It is available in e-format. Yeah. We had a, um, a short print run that people snapped up and it was
0: very successful. What's it
1: called? All That and Everything. All That and Everything. Oh. All That and Everything, yeah. And it's all about just all sorts of different stories. There's some historical fiction, there's some romance, there's some drama, there's some exciting stuff, there's ghostly stories. whole different mix of things in there. And uh, the publisher, because that was self-published, the publisher said to me, do you have a, a novel? that you know we could we could look at doing a novel and at the time I, I had an idea in my head for a historical fiction book that I'd been writing and um I said oh yeah not sure no one will want to read it and he said well try me and the result was torn <gasps> was my first- wow well, my first- oh.
0: So let me just backtrack there a bit, Karen. So you have this idea to write this, you enter the competition and you successfully win. You're like, wait a second, is that a fluke that no one else enter? You enter Mm -hmm. it and you say you want to partner with your dad, unfortunate circumstances, but you go ahead with your brother, find sketches, all that and everything gets published. You self-publish that. And this is all while you're working in corporate?
1: All while I'm working in corporate. Yes, you're working on the weekends and after work and all that. After work, on weekends, um, work holidays. You know, everywhere I went, um, I'd take a laptop and I'd just sit down and write. I had a little, uh, like a little um, desk laptop, like a little uh, desk that you put on your your lap, and I'd take that in the car and I'd write in the car. So, if ever we were going somewhere, my husband's family lived in the bush. Mm-hmm. and we were living in town, so um, we used to be a four-hour trip to visit them, so I'd sit there writing for four hours and then four hours back. Every opportunity I had, I was just churning this story out.
0: So let me um, ask you, this. I want to get into your mindset, Karen. In that moment that you're working nine to five, or what, the long hours that you're working and then you're coming home, did you ever think, like, you're tired, you've come from work, did you ever get into the mind space of, oh, my God, am I getting anywhere with this?
1: Like, is this even worth it? I mean... Really, who did you ever think have those thoughts? Oh, Rita, I did, and it was the most frustrating thing, um, because when you have a story and, and you know you know, and people who will be watching this will know, it eats at you, it's a passion and it drives you, and it 's in your mind, and every day I went to work, I was resenting it, and I was resenting that it was taking me away from what I truly wanted to do. But I couldn't see how I could make it work we need to earn a living mm. um what I what was the catalyst for me and I'm very very fortunate was that um, my husband was very supportive and one day I was having a big me moment and I said to him you know my father worked hard all his life he was a tradesman worked really really hard At the end of it all, he retired at 60, he was diagnosed at 62 and passed away at 67. I wanted better for him Mm. and I couldn't change that. He wanted to go to Kakadu. He didn't get to go to Kakadu. He did nothing with his life. And I was having a, a moment and I said that to my husband and he said, well, what do you really want to do? And I said, I want to write. I want to write. I want to get these books out, but how do I make it work? And he said... Well, you couldn't make it better for your dad, but you can make it better for you. I work full-time, work part-time, do contracts, I'll support you, but you have to ride. Wow, that's, oh, that's emotional, that's beautiful. (laughs) I know, look, honestly, I'm lucky that, yeah, I'm a very lucky person. I really am, because I have the best job in the world. Basically, the way I make it work, is I do technical writing contracts, usually for banks or a lot of other businesses these days. Um, so I do contracts for maybe three, four months at a time. And it enables me, because contracts do tend to pay a bit better. Mm-hmm. So you do contract, I bank the money and I live off that and I write. When I run out of money, I'll go back to work for another contract and then come back and I'll write. So I sort of How job... do you find
0: your contracts? How do you find the contracts? Well, a couple of ways. Well, seek
1: is a, a brilliant thing, but because it's I've been contract- exactly because I've been contracting now. I've had this lifestyle going on now for about twelve years, and it is so doable. It is so doable. But I need to stress that. Um, it takes a little bit of planning, and there was a year in between where I did a job that I absolutely hated, but knew that there was light at the end of the tunnel. I can do this because I have an end date. Yeah. So I did that part-time while I transitioned into a full-time writer. And um, I go out now and I I go and find a contract. What's happened over the years is that I've built up a network of people that I've worked with and who will also come and find work for me. So you you build up relationships with um, consulting firms. And they will go out and get the work for you. So there are a handful of consulting firms and they know what I do. And um, I'm very upfront with them. I'll say to them, I can give you full time for this many months and then leave me alone. So I've trained them the way I want to work. And I've proven myself over the years of delivering good work for their clients. So they know that when I'm ready to work, I'm on the ground and I'm focused on the work. So basically what I do is I'll, Send out an email and say, I'm available from this date to that date and the work comes in. But you have to build up that network and you have to build a reputation. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is the reputation that counts more than anything else because um, they know me. Over the number of years I've worked with these people, they know me and I get called back to various jobs The banks. I've worked for three of the big four and I'm constantly called back. Mm. I've done um energy companies, I've done government offices, I've done retail, I've done um uh, I, I did some short ones for the post office and urban and all these different things. Once you've got the miles behind you and they know how you work, they know that you're reliable and they know that you'll get in there and get the job done and then get out with no problems, the work starts coming in. Sometimes it comes in when I'm not ready for it. Mm. And I have a personal motto, if somebody's willing to pay you to do something, you never say no. Because the day that I want to work, it may not be there. Okay. okay. So, so that's how manager. you're balancing
0: out. You're getting contract work and then you go and do your writing. Exactly. You loan. now when I need to get some more income, I apply for more contracts. That relationship building allows exactly. it to come in organically. I love that. And what I love most about it, Karen, is how you stress it's so doable. Tell oh, it me- is someone's probably listening to this and I can feel it in my heart. I'm like, yeah, right. You've got, well, you've got a supportive husband. You've got, and maybe they don't have a husband. Maybe they don't have someone to be supportive of. But could you, if you didn't have your husband, and this is just being transparent, could you do what you're doing now on your own, contracting and then writing, contracting and then writing? Uh,
1: I could because I'm in a, a comfortable position in my life. Okay. Um, If somebody wanted to do this and they didn't have the husband, they didn't have another income coming in, you really have to clear your debt. And Mm -hmm. I mean that. You can't have a nasty debt hanging over your head Mm -hmm. because you don't know when the income's going to come in. For example, I can say to you, well, okay, I'm going to go out and get a contract next week. And ordinarily, I could. But right now, we're all in lockdown and the contracts aren't out there. So I know that what I have right now to support myself is going to have to last until we come out of this current situation. And that's the issue. If you have uh, a a mortgage that, uh, if it's manageable, you're okay. But if you've got a really high mortgage where you're stretched financially every week, um, you've got loans, you've got credit cards, we've got all the the obligations that we have in this world. If you're in a position where you're not managing or you couldn't manage for a month or two without an income, it's probably not for you. Yeah. Um, because you could get yourself into some hot water. I mean, you don't want to be up at night worrying yeah. about things when you should be writing. Exactly.
0: A hundred percent. And it's about cutting off the fat, cutting off the debt and making sure. it right. very simply, I think, in the beginning, especially living very simply to just be able to execute on this dream because that's where all your oh, yeah enjoying. So let me yeah. ask you this. When you first wrote your first book, All That and Everything, and I love that story how your dad wanted to be the sketching, oh, I love it. Uh-huh. How did you go about self-publishing? Like,
1: and, like, what was step one, step two, step three to self, self-publish? Okay, well, look, I was probably in a unique position because at that time I was, um, I'd gone on to be, uh, join a writing society and over a couple of years I rose quite quickly and was nominated to be a vice president. Oh, was the Vice President of the, the Society of Women's Writers, Victoria. And at that time we had um we well, they still do we have a guest speaker every month. and um, this particular month, we were having a publishing publisher come in, and um he gave a little talk on self-publishing and how you go about it. I was in the fortunate position because, as being the Vice President, it was part of my job to show him around introduce him to people get him a coffee get him some lunch you know all the, the legwork mm. and in that time we got chatting and he said to me oh i heard you've won some awards and i said yes and, are there are only short stories and he said well look let me look at them and we arranged a time for a catch-up um, just for coffee and i gave him some of my work and he he liked it and said well okay yes I, i'll publish it because uh, there are different types of publishing. There's the vanity publishing, which we don't want to go down the path of, which is every man and his dog writes a draft, thinks it's great. Their friends tell them it's great. They whack it off on Amazon and job, you know, Bob's your uncle, you're a publisher, mm. and no-one buys it because it's rubbish. Um, <laughs> or, Adios, and, <laughs> the dream. <laughs> or you do some serious work on it. You yeah. edit it. You rewrite it, you rewrite it, and redraft it, and put some effort into it, which is what I do and what I did do, um, and that's why I was winning awards. I didn't just hack something out worth two thousand words and send them off. I was editing it, I was editing it, I was changing it, I was working it, and working it, and finally you send it off and you've got something polished. Mm. And that's what I'm saying. Anyone can be a writer, but you want to be a good writer. Mm. Do you want to, you know, do you want to call yourself a writer or do you really want to be a writer? so the difference is putting that effort in i put it to the publisher he liked it we published it there are a lot of places out there that will vanity publish you and they'll just take whatever you give them and they'll load it up take your money and voila you're a a published author there are some other places that will work with you to get your book to a good position they'll polish it they'll recommend a, a proofreader or an editor and 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 then get it into a good position and then you publish it. It costs a lot of money. Okay. But at the end of the day, you have something to be proud of. Mm. And that's the difference. Anyone will publish a book. You can get online and have a look at it and they're all there. But you've got to weave the, the, the wheat from the chaff. You've got to see who's going to work with you, who's not going to just blow sunshine into you. That You're good. going to have someone who is genuinely going to give you some critiquing and say, look, this is great, but you need to work it. You need that, but it's there, they're all out there. And what I would recommend, the most important thing for people is to join a society, join a group, join a writing group. Um, There are things like, um, well, they used to do them by post, but I'm sure they do them online now, but they'd be like postal working groups. Uh, postal workshops but you do it all online now where you do a bit of work and you send it off to the group and the other members all send you and everybody all these bits of work go around every month nice. you critique each other's work and it all comes back and you get feedback Beautiful. it's a wonderful thing mm-hmm. so you join a society and and you know quite often they'll have these um online workshops where you don't even meet the people in your group There might be half a dozen of you and you all share bits of work Critique each other's work and it all comes back out to you and you, and gradually you work through things. Mm, love it, love it. Another thing you can do is um, get a critique partner. So you join a society. I know that romance writers of Australia have a critiquing group where they pair you up with somebody who works in a similar genre to you. Right. And, um, and you work through chapter by chapter. And my book, um, Stormbird, I had a critique partner for Stormbird. And she's a lady in Queensland whom I've never met, but we critique each other's work back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. And it it all helps. It's free and it gives you that workshop um, capability that you might not ordinarily have. And it gives you sometimes your friends are not the best critiques because they, they want to boost you up, they want to help you, they want to encourage you but they may not really know what's good and what's yeah, not. Of course. Works Karen, how
0: can you take the critique? What if you don't agree with the other person's critique? What if you think, I think you're out of line with saying that. I think you're missing what my story's trying to say. Have you ever had a, that kind of a feeling or a
1: conversation? Yeah, the people tend to be very supportive in these groups. They don't tend to be... I think people tend to be very cautious of their wording. So I know with my critique partner, there's been areas where I've thought, I don't really like what she's done there. So I'll just word it in such a way as... And and the other thing I do, which and she also does, is I don't just say, don't do it that way. I suggest. So I might say, you know, I'm not sure about that word. Have you thought about using this word or that word or this word? And... And that way, because it's very constructive, it's mm. very supportive, okay. it's very collaborative. Okay. Um, nobody is there to put you down. The writing world, and it's something that I discovered when I first started getting into this, I thought it would be very competitive. And then one day somebody said to me, nobody's going to go to a bookshop and buy their book over your book because they don't like you.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, nobody's going to say, I prefer that over that. You know, you're not competing with one another. Yes. You, we're competing with the wide world. We want everybody to read our books, but, you know, who chooses which book to read, yes, you know? yes, yes. So in that case, we need to support one another. And it is a very supportive, collaborative environment. And as soon as you join a writing group or a society... Suddenly you're bombarded with friends. You've got online friends coming out of your ears. You've got conferences, which are all online these days, so we can all travel from our lounge rooms. You know, <laughs> there is so much support love out there. Love like, it. You don't realise there's this subculture of people getting together that we don't know about until yeah. we join How up. How cool.
0: So, Karen, in terms of making a living with just writing, is do you need to become like a JK Rowley in order to make a living? like the, the author of Harry Potter, for those who don't know, or is it just for the love of it and then you've got to do the contract
1: work? Like how does it work in terms of if you were to make money just on books? If I could stay home and just write books, that's exactly what I'd do. But the fact is you don't make money. Um, to be brutally honest, mm. my book, um, Torn, retails for $24.95 and I get about $7 per book for that, yeah. less if it's an e-book. I'm lucky to get two or three dollars. So I'm sorry, I can't live on that. I eat too many Tim Tams for that. So I have to do the contract. Love it! I love it! Yeah. And Tim Tams are worth it. Hey, and coffee. And coffee and
0: coffee. The truth, Or Tim Tams and port in the evening. Oh yes, yes. I'm one hundred percent, especially in winter. One hundred percent. So you can't live on on this, the income of a book because, like you say, twenty four ninety five, you get. And that's a retail sale and that's at yes. a price and yes. you get seven dollars of that so having something on the side work and something that you enjoy that allows you to write so it's not some yes. yes. helps you to you know really put the passion through and when you actually and this is what I love is the fact that your father died and you looked reflected on his life and you thought you know what he missed out on you know he was trying to do mm. the right thing Step one, societal right thing of how the script mm. of life should be. He lived that script, and yet it didn't work out. You know, in terms of he couldn't live what he wanted to do. Mm. And it's interesting because you said he was a you, he was a sketch sketch writer. Is that what you said? Before? Yeah, he used to
1: do these little sketches, and he was not a professional. He was completely amateur, um, but he loved doing it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I think if he, when he retired, when especially when he became ill, he got out his sketch pad again and started doing some sketches. And then he got some um, watercolor paints and started doing some watercolors, which we've got scattered around our house now to remind us of him. Wow! wow. Um, but it was only when he retired, and in the, the couple of years that he had left before he became too ill, he he found that he had time to do his passion. My dad had a little dog that he rescued from a shelter. He was a single guy. He had a little cottage by a lake and it was everything that he wanted. He didn't want much, Mm. but he always had this dream of going to Kakadu. He wanted to um, get a camper van and travel around Australia. He never saw anything. He never went anywhere. Um, And he didn't get to do any of it. And I just thought, life is too short. If I can make money from my passion, why not?
0: hundred percent, 100%, 100%. So now that, and I, and I completely love that because that was the catalyst, like the word that you used for you to now say yes. it's, and with the support of your beautiful and supportive husband for you to go, it's now or never. So once you got out of corporate, and I have to, because I had experienced this, when I got out of corporate, I had this feeling like, like as if you're about to go jump in the pool and if the pool is really cold and you're like, I hope I can just breathe in the water. Did you have that feeling like you've got the support but like, oh dear god like do you sometimes have that gasp of air that
1: comes I do. Through? I do even now yeah and i have to say i was scared i was totally scared um i my husband kept saying to me come on i've got a job what's the worst that can happen mm. but I have. I've worked since I was sixteen. I've been financially independent since I was sixteen. And suddenly, mm. you're telling a forty year old that's okay. You don't need a job. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. And even now, I, I, the reason why I do my contracts is because I still need that independence. Mm. Um, It wouldn't work for me if I didn't have independence. Yeah. Yeah. Just what I'm used to. You know.
0: Look, I 100% agree with you, I, especially for females, that ability to know that you can generate an income in mm-hmm. any avenue, in, in a, a specific avenue, is very um, confidence-boosting. It's it just yes. a sense of reliability that I don't have to rely on another human being. But that I it's satisfying,
1: it. Rita. It is so satisfying because, yeah. you know, I don't have to ask for housekeeping I don't have to I'm my own woman and if I turn around and say to my husband you know what I'm not doing another contract till the end of the year he's like okay you know because he knows that if I need money I'll go out and earn it and can I tell you as a writer there is so much work out there there is so much work maybe not right now with COVID but there is so much work that I always tell people, if you want to go contracting as a writer, you will only be unemployed if you want to be because there is so much work. And honestly, the number of contracts that I do where they try to extend and then they'll extend it and then I extend and then I have to say, stop, I've got a book to write. (laughs) I can't, I can't. That's great. You know, there is a lot of work. You just need to take the plunge and like you said, hold your nose,
0: jump. Yeah, jump. It's scary. Back in '87, when you were going into financial services, did you, at any point back then, when you were starting your career in corporate, did it ever come come across to you that maybe I should take this writing thing seriously, or did it just not occur to you at that point?
1: No, it never occurred to me at that point. I was only 20 years old, okay. um, or thereabouts. Yeah. Come, my maths is not good, but I was young. <laughs> yeah. um, it was because I left school very early. I didn't finish high school, right. and I I just I actually wanted to be a librarian, um, um, but uh, I, I got a job and I, my first job was in retail, but I knew that this wasn't for me. I wanted something else. So I found my way into financial services. When the the crash hit and I was right there on the ground watching it take place and being completely bewildered because I'd never been in this world before? Yeah. I thought, this is it, this is where I need to get my education. So I went out and I started studying. And because I was single at the time, and this probably gets back to what you say about hey, follow your passion if you don't have someone supporting you. Mm. I I needed to study, I wanted to study, I wanted to get ahead in my industry and I'd chosen financial services. So I decided in, in order to get ahead, I had to get some qualifications because I had nothing, I'd left school too early. So I signed up to do a diploma course, which my the company I was working for supported me in, but I had to pass my exams. If I passed my exams, they would reimburse me. So I had to study, study, study. I so would get up at the crack of dawn, I used to catch a train into city, and it was about a 45 minute train journey, and I used to spread out my books all along the seat on the train, and I studied on the train. I had 45 minutes in, 45 minutes out in the evening. I did all my study on the train. I had books, I had highlighter pen, I had notes, and I passed those exams, got my reimbursement, and then spent it on the next course
0: wow. and just
1: kept going and kept going and then built up my education. So I'm highly qualified in the financial services industry. Um, along the way, my passion was always like music playing in the background, Mm. always there. You know, I want to write. I want to write. I want to write, and it, it worked out really well that I was able to transition from everyday financial services admin to writing training material, training documentation, and then I started. As my education increased, I started getting into more technical things: case studies, calculations, and then. When I was uh, going out and visiting financial planners, I would have why I had to make up documents about current legislation, changes to financial services industry, changes to governance. Mm-hmm. Really high tech, terribly, terribly boring stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought.
1: Oh, I love writing, I love, how many different ways can you say, you know, calculate pension payments this way? You know, how many ways can you say that? How many ways can you identify, you know, uh, estate planning should be done and superannuation is under tax law, and how many ways do you say that? So uh, in the end, I started thinking, you know, I'd much rather write historical fiction. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I love that when you write your books, Karen, when you sit down, I'm gonna write Stormbird, for example, How do you, what's the process of writing? Are you thinking of a setting? Are you researching the historical point in time? What is it that you, what's your process?
1: Um, It's interesting because I know that a lot of other writers plot things out on paper. I never do. I never plot anything. I see it like a movie in my mind. And my husband will tell me that because now that we're living up here, we travel a lot of kilometres in the car quite regularly. So he'll see me sitting there and I'll just go out. And he'll say, oh, I can know, I know you're plotting. I know you're watching a movie in your mind. Wow. I see the characters. I hear the dialogue. I see the settings. And then me, because I've seen it, I need to put it on the paper so that my reader can see it too. Mm. And um, when um, before I got into financial services, I went to live in England with my grandma. And I was living in Yorkshire, and that's what gave me the passion for the settings, torn and inviolate in my mother book, *Stormbird*. Um, they're all set in Yorkshire because I lived there. So now I see it all rolling out. I can see the countryside. I can see the beautiful houses. I can see the clothes and the way they wore the way they wore them and I can see them I, I hear the speech and I see the manners and, and I'm loving it and I want to I'm born in the wrong time clearly. <laughs> and I, just, uh, I just write what I see. And it's interesting because a lot of the reviews that I've had online were people saying that this is very cinematic. And they can see it rolling out like a movie. And I thought, well, that's great because that's how I see it too. Exactly. It's beautiful. In your whole journey,
0: Karen, would you change anything? Like if someone's listening right now, would you do anything differently so someone else could
1: stand on your shoulders and maybe learn from that? Um, I don't know that I'd do anything differently. I think that um, with in the early days of contracting, I made some mistakes. and. Um, I, I took a, a confidence blow from, from one in particular that uh, I can share with you if you like. Yeah, sure. I, I had been engaged to write some material for an organisation and um, I had done my own discussions with them. And they had said, oh, yes, we've got all the material. What we need you to do is collate it all into some one package that um, we can use as training for you know, a group of organi- a group of people. And I trusted them, I, I I didn't do my due diligence, I didn't go in and look at the material, I just said, oh yeah, that will take this much time and blah, blah, blah. When I actually got in there, I found that the material they had was out of date, uh, it wasn't as easy to get, uh, because some was out of date and some wasn't, it was very difficult to identify what I could use and what I couldn't, so then I had to start writing stuff and, um, In the end, to my discredit, they released me from the contract a week early because they could see that it was all going pear-shaped and it was entirely my fault. I did not do my due diligence. Mm. That was one of the first contracts I did and it was like 12 years ago. I took a body blow from that and I had to have a really good look at myself and wonder, you know, is writing for me if I'm going to be like this? Mm. Um... What I did also need to do is have a really good serious talk to myself and say, no, your mistake was in the contract negotiation, not the writing. So now I work with the experts in contract negotiation. I get them to find work for me. So when I talk about uh, creating my network, most of that network are the people that are consulting firms who go out and get the work for me. They've already done the due diligence. They've already scoped out the project. All I do is set say, okay, I can start this day, I'll finish that day and, um, and I'll be done. And they've done all the work. They do all the, the negotiation, the costing, everything. Mm. As long as I agree with the daily rate, it's done. I don't have to worry about that. I just do the writing.
0: I love the fact that you had such good, keen insight because you could have derailed yourself in that moment uh, of self-doubt. Okay. You could have taken this completely out and
1: not, yeah, not don't worry. Anything. I did. I did. There was a good couple of months where I sat there, you know, moaning about, oh, this isn't for me, this isn't for me. And then I thought, hang on a minute, I
0: stopped
1: up. Yeah. Learn from it. What's the point of doing this if you don't know? I love that. Do you
0: do anything on a regular basis to keep your mindset on focus and not? You know, to you when you sometimes when we get into the thought of, oh my God, am I getting anywhere with this? Like, is this even working out? Like am I like am I just like wasting my time? Like, do you have those thoughts on a day-to-day or weekly, on a monthly basis? And if you do,
1: how do you overcome them? I'm very active. Uh, I run every day. You look active. Um, look active. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking very active. I'm actually standing here at my stand-up desk and No, I run every day. I run a 10K once a week, a 5K once a week, and every other day I run 3K. So I get up, I usually get up between four and five in the morning. I have my morning coffee, I get out for a run, I come in, and I'm ready to start. And then, you know what, you'll still take your body blows along the way. You'll still have things that don't work out. There'll be a contract I sign up to, and I think, oh, this is horrible. Why did I sign up to this? I don't like the work. I don't like the people. I don't like the place. I don't like that, that, mm. You know? And it's like I shake myself. I have to shake myself and say, you're living the dream. Mm. You've got the best job in the world. You work when you want, how you want. You chose that contract. You agreed to it. So suck it up, princess, and go and finish it. <laughs> and you just have to be tough with yourself. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So
0: so running really helps you clear your mind, clear your thoughts, and just get it all out. I love that. Yes. That's, that's
1: yeah, I also I like structure and running every morning, I do a lot of thinking because I, I tend to run on my own. My husband runs too, but he's a lot faster than me. I'm a bit of a podder. Um, so he'll take off into the distance and then I've got my time to just trot along and I get a nice comfy pace and then I'll start planning out my day. Or if I know my day is going to be writing that day then I'll be thinking about what I'm writing and how am I going to work it? Is this really the way I want my character to go? Is this how the story's going to go? What if I twisted it up? And and just finding that I'm in that fresh air and I've got nothing, nobody hammering me. Usually I run without my phone. So there's no phone calls. There are no text messages. There's nothing to think about. Um, I'm just out there just with my thoughts. And yeah, it just clears everything up. I think it, a lot of people see that as fairly intense um but you don't have to run mm. you can you know get outside and just sit in a garden yeah. you can go for a walk you you know you have to just clear your mind so you can sit back and say to yourself what do I really want to achieve today mm. what do I really want to achieve this week what's getting in my way and how do I get rid of it
0: so you
1: know everything like I said to you earlier it's all doable you just have to get all your ducks in a row Mm. and then if something jumps up to get in your way deal with that and then move on love it love it so Karen if someone wants to actually go and take a look at Stormbird that and everything or all the other books you've got where can we go well, you can have a look on my website, uh, karenturner.com.au. Uh, you can check out my Facebook page and Instagram, or you can just uh, hop online and look at some bookshops. Uh, they're all on um, Goodreads, so you can see what other people have said about them. And you can get on Amazon. They're available on Amazon for ebook or Booktopia um, and all those sort of places. You can buy them. You can download them. Um, a lot of regional libraries, a lot of uh, state libraries, they've, they've all got them. So if your local library hasn't got it, they'll be able to get it for you because I know libraries share books these days. Yeah. Um, if your bookshop doesn't have it, ask for it. they will get it in. Fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's all out there.
0: Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for being so open and honest about your journey, for showing us in real sense how you practically manage having turned a passion into a profession. I think such a grand example of it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to share. Oh, it's been wonderful, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll catch you on the very next episode of Unbox Your Gift. God bless. Okay, guys, you just listened to the episode with Karen Turner of how she turned her passion for historic writing into a profession. But what happens after the interview, after most of my interviews, when I stop the record button and I just thank the interviewee for being there and for sharing what they've shared, I actually pressed record again after the interview finished because what Karen had to share was just so just delicious that I wanted you to hear. So here's me pressing the record button after the interview is finished. Let me know how you go. And I stopped it um, quite quickly too because I just wanted to share with you the snippets and the nuggets that she was sharing. And I know it's gonna be so valuable. So enjoy please.
1: And you put in the keywords instructional designer or something like that. You put in those keywords. And uh, you find the jobs, you go for them, you get them, you build the relationship and you tell people your availability. Yes, I love that.
0: I'd look, look is it, because you make it sound so simple, but you don't necessarily have to be a writer, per se, to do the, the like you said before, to do the contract writing work. You could be yeah. a graphic design artist, but just do this work on the
1: side as a contract writer, just to get the income yeah. coming. in. Right? Yeah. If you can write properly, if, you know, it's all about spelling and grammar. The thing with technical writing, it can be a little bit different because there are protocols for writing instructions or in, if you're writing... Um, requirements, documents, or all the different things. Generally, what I do is I when I'm uh, talking to companies about these, I just say, What templates do you have? Because if they don't have their own templates, we'll forget about it. Because if they've got their templates, that's all you straight away how they want you to write it. Ah,
0: I love and that. that
1: that's a yes. good
0: hack. That's, yeah. That is, yeah. oh, that's gold, yeah. Karen, that's
1: gold. <laughs> <laughs> Time. That's my goal, build them. Thank you. the next goal is if they don't have their own contracts do a short course um they have their own templates do a short course on building templates in word and then you say to them that's all right i can do that for you and suddenly they love you because you're creating templates for the future that's,
0: that's beautiful. see, and you can even take that course online. I'm sure it's available. i, yes, it's yes. online.
1: It's like- I tell you what, one of the best resources, and it, it can cost a little bit of money. It's usually about $100 a year or something like that. But LinkedIn Learn has so many courses. Okay. So many courses. Because you see a contract, you see it advertised, and you go, okay, I've got that, 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 that. Oh, I don't have that. LinkedIn Learn. blah, 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 blah. got that. That is
0: genius, genius, yeah. thank you, thank you. Yeah. See, you're like a, like a well of information. It's just like, come oh on out. Because you do, this is what I, I wanted to mention too, but I'm also recording this, so we're, I'm recording this because this is such good information, Karen. And I oh, well, I better it. not swear then. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you do workshops as well, but you do writing workshops.
1: Yes, I do. I used to do a lot of facilitation and things in the financial planning world. I used to do uh, well roadshows all around the country, even into some regional outback areas. And I'd sit in an auditorium with you know 200 financial planners, and I'd be going, "Okay, now the government now wants you to report on this," and it was so it was killing me. I'm sure it was killing them as well. And I thought, no, I love, I love to impart knowledge. I love to share stuff because when you find someone, I've had some wonderful mentors over the years, and. It's like a, there's something really special about finding a mentor but there's something equally special about being a mentor because, and I used to always say, I love nothing more and I still do when we do a workshop. I'm actually just, where is it? I'm just designing one at the moment that uh, it's a six-part workshop that I'm going to be doing um, hopefully when we come out of lockdown but it's all about the basics of starting to write a book and it's going to be called Let's Write a Book. So we will tell you all about it. Sure. Because, um, I love nothing more than entering a room going blah, 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 and then knowing that the people leave that day with something that they didn't have when they entered. And mm-hmm. I don't mean 10 times. I mean they can go out inspired. They can go out and, you know, sit down and go, I know, this is what I'll do. Yeah. And I like to give people activities to prompt them. and. Yeah. you know exercises that I've done along the way that helped me and you know writer's block doesn't exist because we can do this and we can do that and oh, I love that! so many things so many activities and you know little things that you can do that I know and I just think do it
0: do so how, it try it how, how can we find out about this workshop how would we find out about this Tamara.
1: Tomorrow. Tamara, so someone someone's
0: listening right now, how would they, because this is going to be on again, so Tamara is your PR agent, and do you need That's a right.
1: relations agent? You don't need one, but if you want to do things like we're doing now, you do. Yes, um, yes. yes. I also, uh, I do a lot of, uh, I, well, before COVID lockdown, I used to go out and do a lot of talks, face-to-face, a lot of workshops, stuff like that. Um, And Tamara would set up some of those. But a lot of them i do myself. You just contact a community group and offer your services for free. Yeah. You know, I don't need to be paid for it. I just would like to be able to put a book stand up. And if people want to buy my books, that's great. If they don't, they're aware of me now. Yes. And that's all it is. Yes. You know, so you don't put a bill on this. You don't put a charge. You just get out there and you, you do it. When we went into lockdown, um... I contacted Tamara because she usually works closely with me when I launch a new book. Right. But because I'm not launching at the moment, I didn't have Tamara sort of sitting in the background. Um, When we went into lockdown, I contacted her and said, we need to talk because all my author talks have been cancelled, all my workshops have been cancelled. But I do a lot of travel. I do a lot of writing overseas. And... um, you know, that's one of the things I talk about, clearing your decks, get away from home, get out. Luckily, I can afford to go and pull up somewhere and work overseas. So Zoom, Skype, they are my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> because of that, um, I was probably ahead of the game with these online things. So I said to Tamara, I'm good with these. I've got all the accounts you ever need. Just, you know, yeah. see what we can do. So she's gone out there and organised all sorts of things. So I've been busier... The lockdown than I was before. Okay, because you know, I've been doing up to yeah. like you know two or three author talks a week, um, a couple of workshops you know, it's just ongoing and it's bubbling and bubbling and bubbling, and um, that's more than I ever did when, uh, when we didn't have a lockdown. lockdown.
0: And so, all that activity for the workshops for the talks has come through as a result of doing it online and having a PR agent
1: like Tamara working, getting people. yeah, it would have been it would have been a lot harder without her. I could have done it, but I'm really not good at talking up, uh, you know, selling myself. Okay. I can talk about my books and my work, but there's no way I could ring up and go, hey, Rita, I'm Karen and I write books. And no, I, I couldn't do that. I just couldn't, it's not my area. So um, if you're good at that, uh, do it. You mm. can do it. I've got friends who are writers and um, amazing self promoters. And that's one of the keys. If you're going to be a writer, you can't be afraid of promoting yourself. Mm. I'm I'm scared. I'm very afraid of the cold call, um, <laughs> but I'm not afraid to talk. Yeah,
0: yeah, yes. So, you know,
1: you, you can't be afraid to talk. Yeah. If you are not afraid of the cold call, you don't need a PR person. Okay, okay. Don't um, tell Tamara I said that. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Actually, you know what? She knows. She knows because she'll say to me, look... I'll give you this phone number. She wants to hear from you. Give her a call. And i like, no. No, that's why I've got you. You've got to make it. Yeah, that's, right. yeah. that's right. That's we right. We're at a function one day, and she said to me, "See that person over there? You need to go and talk to them." I'm like, go and introduce me. She goes, "No, go and talk to them." No, no, I can't do that. Oh, that's beautiful. That's absolutely
0: beautiful. Well, but you're if you're not afraid of that. It's so doable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that takes a lot of self-awareness, Karen, which I believe you've got. You've got a lot of self-awareness about yourself, which is I was I don't how you've developed that because you know, sometimes to people it just have, happens ordinarily or that they're not conscious to how they've developed that ability to get to know themselves and others don't know themselves that well. But to know yeah. yourself that I'm a good writer, I didn't stuff up that contract. It wasn't my writing that stuffed up the contract. It was negotiation skills. And I'm not a great person to want to go and promote myself, but I can talk and my work is good enough. I just have this barrier to entry. It's, and th- what, what I'm getting from that is the fact that you've got awareness of yourself and what your strengths are. Therefore, half the battle of I'm not good enough, uh, is this sucks, am I getting away doesn't really come into
1: your play because you've got awareness of your strength. That's right and there you, you have to be aware of that when you want to do something like, you know, quit your day job and start mm-hmm. working, you know, your mm-hmm. passion because you have to know your strengths. Equally, you need to know your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Where you have a weakness, you engage someone that yeah. can fill that gap. My weakness is the PR. Tamara fills that gap.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, my strength is writing. Now, as a writer, all writers go through this I'm a fraud thing. I can't do this. I'm a fraud. I'm hopeless. And that's why you need to enter competitions, uh, uh, join societies and get critique partners, get feedback on your work. And I don't mean from your mum because mum's always going to love everything you do. You need to be honest with yourself and you need to get honest responses from other people. And there is a whole network of people out there just prepared to do that. Don't ever, ever, ever stick something up on Instagram or Facebook and ask for feedback because every man and his dog thinks they're an expert and that'll just shoot you down. You need to go to the societies where you've got a group of like minded people who just want to support one another. Oh, I love that. That's been brilliant advice. That's very good in
0: protecting the brain, <laughs> protecting the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There are some very nasty people out there that just want to cut you down. A lot of it is fed by jealousy because they don't have the guts to
0: all their passion. Mm, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and you get to. Well, Karen, you're just a legend, a total legend. <laughs> you really are. You've just been a lot of joy to talk to. And I Thank love you. every single... I want to be a writer now. No, <laughs> Writing is not my strength. I'm all about about have I know that. I have got a workshop for you. <laughs> yes. 100%. So I'm going to make sure everybody knows about your workshops, about can they go onto your website and even contact you about the Yes, workshop? definitely. Have a
1: look at my website. Um the workshop that i 'm working on at the moment, just developing it at the moment won't be on there, but certainly there is an opportunity on there for people to contact me mm-hmm. so they can um, send me an email i 'd love to hear from people to yeah. answer questions I if everyone just goes to my website it 's all
0: there oh you're a legend it's been an absolute pure joy Karen you 're an amazing woman an amazing woman <laughs> Thank because you. Oh, no and honest to goodness because you 've done what what is probably one of the scariest thing to do in life really is to go out. For what you really love to do and yeah. there's so much self-doubt that comes that I just don't want to the leap that you've taken and continue to take because it's a daily thing the leap is daily mm-hmm. is something of uh, so noble and such a great role role model that you are for everybody else learning from you so thank you for being here today thank you so much thank lovely you, beautiful lady I will be in contact with you um